Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of Casting the Net. Today's episode wraps up our series on finding God in ordinary living. And so, of course, the guys have a great conversation today. One of my favorite quotes from this week's episode is when Father Dave says, I have to want to encounter God in daily living. I think that's a really neat quote. I have to want to encounter God in daily living. Hope you enjoy this one, and we'll see you again next week. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss, together with Father of Four, Rick Lingva. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Hey, friends, we are back and casting the net. Father Dave with my co-host, Rick. I'm looking across the table. Rick is... How do I look tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Rick, you look look like you are the father of four young children (laughs) who have... um, Giving you, know you, that, you a run for your money. I was going to say, you know what that's like? <laughs> that's like when someone looks at you and says, you look tired. Oh, is that how it comes out? Yeah. And they're trying to be nice, but you know, you take it as an insult. That you, you Isn't look, that true? Yes. Tired. Like, n- no kidding. I'm tired. Yeah, let, me, <laughs> let me tell you everything I've done today so far. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. All right. In the tiredness, yeah. in the tiredness of your day, Yeah. Um, give me a grace. Give me a grace. How you was know, the net cast? Uh, it, it, well, it's Sunday, so it's basketball day in our family, and um, I got to watch Corinne do her thing on the court, and she's it's it's so much fun nice. to watch. You know, she's she's a good little athlete. She's a good ball handler. Um, you know, at this age, they don't have a lot a lot of strength. You know, sure. Um, so they they can sometimes look awkward shooting. But she's got a really nice form on her layups. It's 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 just fun to watch. It's, and the it's joy just, of sport. It's, yeah, it's just that. a joy to look at. It necessary, not necessarily anything you know profoundly theological, but yeah. I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching her. Well, and it's so apt for your fatherhood—a father watching his his daughter um, just, just enjoy herself. She loves. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. enjoy herself. Yeah. Beautiful. What about you? What's your Beautiful. grace from you now? Oh, grace your or turn. a blessing for this? Yeah, my turn. <laughs> um you know i had i had the chance to uh, exercise fatherhood in a different way uh not too long ago as you know as we were discussing before we started recording but i had the chance to be with someone who's going to have pretty serious surgery tomorrow and is in a precarious situation and the chance to visit him in the hospital very unexpectedly Mm. and to um and to pray with him and his his gratitude for that that visit and mm-hmm. it 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 isn't something I was helping somebody out um, who wasn't able to mm-hmm. to be present able to do it glad when I get the chance to do that and I'm available and I had a I had a second one mm-hmm. last night so two nights in a row um, which took me to Detroit oh, uh, wow. a friend's mother. Yeah. is critically ill and, and dying. And um, though there's a side of it that's um, heavy in maybe one sense, there's another side that's, it's really astonishing. I don't know I don't know how else to describe it. We're talking about God's presence in the ordinary and Jesus 
gives us these sacraments, and the sacraments themselves are they're remarkably ordinary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oil, water, words, gestures, very ordinary. Um, there's not a truckload of sacred items that I have to bring with me and then assemble, mm-hmm. you know, carefully to to manufacture this this sacrament. It's Jesus establishes these moments and gives to us the tools through words and actions and 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 particular ordinary items to be supercharged with his with his grace. Mm-hmm. And in the past two nights, including a little earlier this evening, for that grace to be received in the form of healing mm-hmm. power. Yeah. It's like it strips away all the veneer of the other stuff that right. was getting under my skin or distracting me from what I really ought to be about. Um, mm. Maybe maybe getting a little, as, as this happens to be a Sunday and I'm looking at the week or beginning to look at the week and thinking, okay, how am I going to navigate these five days? How about, Dave, if I just let you be a priest right now, mm-hmm. my priest, and mm-hmm. you go... And you proclaim my presence through the sacrament that you celebrate with, in this case, two people in need on two consecutive nights, neither one of whom are my parishioner, you know, strictly speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know what was going through your mind specifically um, on either of those occasions, but just from a, you know, an outsider's perspective, I, I do think of the Gregory of Nyssa quotation we discussed last time where, you know, Christ donates or lends his person to the poor, in this case, the sick, you know, the sick yes. of the people you're ministering to. Um, and I can see it. Like I can see in my mind's eye, yeah. you, know, you encountering Christ um, through that transaction or through that exchange. Yeah. It's a powerful encounter, uh, encounter of God or encounter with God in the ordinary. Yes. For me. For, for you, me, yeah. right? But, it's, you know, it's a grace for me as well to hear, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, I appreciate you asking. There there may be a a misunderstanding uh, among some Catholics, um, perhaps some Protestant and Orthodox as well, that, that the priest, or in the case of Protestants, the minister is doing all the work, mm. Um, mm. being Christ for other. And while there is a aspect of that that is absolutely true through a calling we've received. Yeah. Um, I find myself time and again humbled, privileged, grateful yeah. to encounter Christ in those um, I'm serving. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, that's, oh. the, that's the Christian life in general. And I, we, we say it all the time. But we we say it all the time for a reason because it's important. It's it's at the heart of the Christian life, you know. Like yeah. we're called to do something that we can't naturally do. Yes, like we are naturally incapable of, of loving the way we're called to love. Even if we hadn't sinned, even if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, and, yeah. and even if we hadn't been um, uh, disfigured by that sin as a consequence, we still couldn't naturally love the way God calls us to love, which is divinely like yes. Him. You know, and so God helps us. He elevates us so that there can be um, an empowering of us to, in order to, to love divinely. Like you, you, you're fond of describing grace as a as a as a power, and that's perfectly appropriate. But the reason why it's it's powerful is because it's God's very life, yes, like communicated to us. 
um, in the person of the Holy Spirit, who is the person of love. Yes. Right. And I mean, that's that undergirds or um, is the foundation for all the saints who speak about a spirituality of the ordinary, like Teresa Lisieux talks about the little way that implies that you can encounter God through, you know, doing dishes, doing laundry, cleaning, whatever, because if you're doing those things with love, yeah, like the Christian virtue of love, then you're, you're making contact with God there because yes. he's empowering your, your faculties to, to love, yes. to do those things with love. They're, your, your being is, is transfigured or transformed by divine love. Yes. Yeah, and a girl playing basketball can yeah. feel the love of her father or mother, right? Watching and supporting and well, rooting mom's the coach, and so <laughs> <laughs> maybe doesn't feel mother love. Might, might but... always feel maternal love, but uh, <laughs> she knows it's there for sure. Yeah, that's it. And all of the you, you just use those examples for for many that. Uh, they might be examples of monotony, mm-hmm. um, dishes and laundry and and cleaning the house and what have you. And yet every one of those activities has capacity to be a, a spiritual a spiritual encounter with God yeah. in the disposition with which we bring to it, right, and, and openness. Um Offering ourselves, giving our best, knowing that we're doing it for other, um, maybe even, maybe even praying for those others when mm-hmm. we're doing the dishes yeah. um, silently. I'm not suggesting something, you know, <laughs> flamboyant or demonstrative, but just um, slow, steady, easy, and uh, devoted. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe put a little bit differently, please. It, you know, God's both. Like when I when I'm performing an act of love, <clears throat> God is both the starting point and the end point. Yes. Right? I mean, he's the impetus. He's he's the one who's animating me to to perform the act. Yes. Um and then if if what John Chrysostom says is true, you know, the the, the quotation we discussed last week about how we're we're never so close to God as when we do good for others. Yes. And if the the quotation that Gregory of Nyssa um you know, that, that quotation from Gregory of Nyssa is true, as I think it is, that you know Christ donates Himself to to the poor, so that when we yeah. when we minister to them, we encounter Christ. If all those things are true, then He's also the the end point. Yes, God's also the end point, the goal, uh, the end of my action, and yeah. I'm I'm just the vessel. Yes, right. I'm just the vessel who's who's uh, who's carrying the act of love, the divine act of love from from start to finish. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's why someone like Andre Bassett. Mm. Um, can be can be canonized. Solanus Casey, yeah, Solanus too, Casey, a little right. closer I mean, to us, even yeah. even closer to us here in Toledo. Ohio. That's right. Um, I mean, if, if you're not familiar with Andre Bissett, he he was a, a member of the Congregation of Holy Cross, which you know is famous for being the, the congregation that found founded uh, Notre Dame du Lac, <laughs> the University of Notre Dame in South Bend. Hold it, it's not Irish. Oh no, it's no. French. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, you know, brother Andre, he wasn't an ordained yes. priest. He was he was a brother. Um, I think in the Dominican order, they're called cooperator brothers. I'm assuming yes. that's the same terminology yes. okay, across the board, but he's a cooperator brother. He was a lowly doorkeeper at the college yeah. in Montreal. That's all. And he did other menial tasks like, you know, carry firewood and, and scrub floors and things like yeah. that. Um, he was canonized for it. Uh, not 
not exactly for those acts, but doing those acts with love. Yes. With great love. So much so that he would touch saints and sinners and, yeah. and draw souls to God through through his um you know, his virtuous activity. Um you know, it's a remarkable thing. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, Solanus Casey, a similar similar story in Detroit and and um the porter, the door the door person and coming to the to the uh a Capuchin uh, monastery, those seeking assistance, whether it was physical, emotional, or spiritual, mm-hmm. from a worldly point of view, doesn't even get a hiccup, no. right? No. From a spiritual point of view, God chooses to work through him with utter profundity. Mm-hmm. Um, lives that are changed, miracles that are attested to when he was declared venerable uh, a few years ago, which happened to be in a professional football field, namely Ford Field right, in Detroit, right. uh, it was just packed, packed yep. right, with people praising and thanking God, many of whom able to give testimony mm-hmm. for the the um, the direct encounter they had with God through now venerable um, Solanus Casey. Mm-hmm. I like what you said there about, uh, you know, on, on a secular scale or a, through a secular way of measuring things, it would, it would barely register. Um, when we, when we perform these acts of love, we won't necessarily feel any different. Mm. You know, there, there might not be like these great theophanies where there are fireworks and, you know, divine manifestations telling us we're doing, we're doing, we're loving right. divinely. We're doing right. divine. Attaboy. Yeah, Attaboy. Right. That's probably not going to happen. I mean, thanks be to God if it does, that would be a great consolation, but generally it doesn't. Yeah. Um, we will only know, um, if we look at ourselves and others and the world around us through the eyes of faith, that's how it registers. Yes. You know? And incidentally, I mean, just to come full circle and to put a bow on things, like that's also how you encounter God just in the natural world, right? I mean, through um, through encountering God's created masterpiece, which is the universe that we inhabit. Um, you know, Aristotle and Plato both talk about how uh, awe or uh, – or, or or wonder is really the beginning of philosophy, mm. and yeah, and so it's no surprise that for Christians we 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 think that wonder and awe is a, a divine gift as well. Yes, it's a gift of the Spirit. It's something that enables us or allows us or empowers us to to see God in the ordinary and delight in it. Yes, like to see beyond uh, or behind just the surface. Yeah, to something deeper, so that when we look around and we see ourselves and we see others and we see the rest of the world, we see that. Um, you know, we're we're all so dependent on just this incalculable number of conditions. Yes. You know, some big, some small. Um, that there has to be something permanent behind it all <laughs> holding it in place. Yeah. Um, and so we can look at, you know, a cloud or a snowflake or a mud puddle or a sperm whale or you know, just creatures big and small, things big and small, things wondrous and intricate and things simple and and find the divine there find something to wonder at mm. Mm. yeah it evokes wonder would you also say the fruits are indicative of the presence of god also uh what do you have in mind well specifically i'm thinking here really good insight and good reminder to me and to all of our listeners that we don't want to base what we're doing on feelings right waiting right. until 
we feel supercharged to do something mm-hmm. or we're receiving affirmation. So suddenly we're playing to the feeling that the feeling itself yeah. really can become a form of idolatry. That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm also I, I'm I haven't I haven't thought this through completely. It it seems to me that there are fruits that are visible from actions that are genuine loving mm-hmm. in real time. So the fruit might be a um a sense of gratitude, a deepening unity, um maybe a little more peace yeah. in the situation where I'm at within the family, which, within the home, within myself. Which, That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, which fruits. which might not show up if you're if you're doing something selfishly or Yes. Okay. Yeah, I see yes. what you mean. Not and, and I'm and I I'm distinguishing fruits from feelings. That's right. You know, while there may be some manifestation of a feeling, it's something more um it's something more profound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seems to me. Yeah, no, I I would sign off on that too. I think that's a, that's an important distinction. Um trying to think real quick of an example of how that might play out, but uh I don't know, I'm coming up empty at the moment. <laughs> well, you know, I had the occasion uh I'm thinking of two nights ago when when I unexpectedly uh traveled um later in the evening up to the Detroit hospital, mm-hmm. which for listeners here might might have been Detroit's about an hour north of Toledo. And I was free and I learned of this uh, from a friend and they weren't expecting me to come. They didn't ask me to come. Mm-hmm. I was able to. Yeah. It, there was a strong indication this was the right thing to do. Sure. And in the process of being there, there were two different nurses who both were remarkable with their compassion. And I made a point before I left to find both of them and to let them know wow. how how exceptional their compassion was in this situation, which wasn't an easy situation. Yeah. And they remained compassionate. I was moved by that. Like I yeah. encountered God through them. Right. And it gave them the opportunity. This is the fruitfulness, right? Mm-hmm. They give them the opportunity to... Um, um, share a little bit more in ways that I was able to listen and I think be of assistance to them on a personal, in one case, a professional level mm-hmm. that um, they didn't recognize maybe what what they were doing and how they were doing it. But I'm a person who's in a lot of hospitals with regularity and I see many people sure. acting and have a reliable frame of reference to be able to <laughs> provide real-time response to how people are acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the fruit was this engagement. Uh, and, and, and they had time to do this as well, which isn't always true yeah. later in the evening when the yeah. staffing is usually smaller. It, it's like God multiplies out yeah. that, that gift, if yeah. you will. Right, right. No, and and that's. I was just going to say. I mean, that's on a bigger scale. We, we know that love is is um, abundant. We know that we know that love multiplies, and we know that love is created. Yeah. And there are some some theologians in the tradition who argue that um, God would have to be 
a plurality of persons or a multiplicity mm. of persons because that's that's what love requires. Love yeah. love love generates. Love yeah. um love uh entails more than one more than one person involved yes. in the act, you know. So um on our scale I think that makes perfect sense. Like we, we would see it might not always be obvious. Like I, I still think you have to look through the eyes of faith, but uh, you, you can you can you can discern when love is authentic and when it's just you know, selfishness. Sure, yeah. sure. And always through the eyes of faith, both, I mean, the two of us, we hold to that, that strongly. It's through the eyes of faith that we yeah. live and move and have our being. There, right. There's there's never a moment where we <clears throat> fail to look through the eyes of faith, right? Mm-hmm. There's never a moment. That's a duality that mm-hmm. is denounced time and again in various heretical forms. Right. That, there shouldn't be anyway. Right, a dualism, yeah. a dualism. There shouldn't be, right? Yeah. Um, and the it so we we don't make apologies for that. We're actually empowered and elevated by it by mm-hmm. the by the faith that we live. So for those maybe right now who are finding yourselves just struggling to. Um, Find God in the ordinary experience. What do you what do you what do you say to them, Rick? You got a word for any of our listeners who are just battling mm. with that right now? Yeah, it it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight for sure. Because I mean, just the the life of faith takes time. Like I mean, it's a it's a constant. Sure, it's a constant. Uh, you know, course or or matter of growth. Yes, but, um, you have to desire it. You have to avail yourself or put yourself in positions to, to receive the grace to help you do it. Um, you know, you have to open yourself up to the opportunities. Right? Let, let me, and let, even as I say, even, and if I think at least speaking from my own experience, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Sometimes you, you know, something's good for you, but you just don't want to do it. You take that to God and, yes. and be honest about it. So, you yes. know, I, I, I know I need to find you in the ordinary God yes. because that's what 99% of my life is. Yes. And if I don't, I'm going to be really empty. So, so help, help me want that. Yes. It's, it doesn't sound particularly interesting or enjoyable, but, but help me to want that and, you know, help me to come to enjoy it and, and find it interesting. If I want to encounter God in ordinary living, in daily life, I have to want to encounter That's right. God. Yeah. And if I don't want to do it, Lord, grow my want. Yep. <laughs> Ignite my want. Make me want. I think being present in your activities helps a ton too. Like I, I get it. Sometimes, you know, you're you're cleaning the house and you put in the earbuds and you listen to music. Um, you know, put on a podcast when you're doing dishes, whatever. Just do it in silence. Yeah. I mean, you know, our, our, our religious brothers and sisters do that in their, you know, their monasteries and yeah. their convents, um, for good reason, because they're looking for God in the ordinary, those ordinary wow. activities. I think stripping things down a bit and carving out some quiet time for you while you, while you do the chores, while you wait in the, the school pickup line. I mean, that doesn't hurt either. Yeah. So just off the top of my head, those are some things that, uh, that I turn to. Beautiful. Anyway. I mean, Beautiful. He's Rick, and he's worth the price of admission. <laughs> At least one person thinks that. <laughs> I'll talk to your daughter's coach. That's right. <laughs> I'm Father Dave. We're, we're we're so grateful that you joined us again for a continuing conversation of the beauty and the goodness and the truth that that is God 
and how God so deeply desires for us to know and to love and to serve him. We're casting the net. Friends, he's Rick, and I'm Father Dave, a dad and a priest, together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.